Hi everybody. We are about to start our last class in this series. It's pretty crazy. It's been eight weeks, seven prophetesses, eight weeks. Um, and we're finally at Esther. <laughs> Cannot believe we made it this far. Hey, hi everybody. Thank you for joining. So nice to see you all coming back. Okay. Um, so I hope you all had an easy and meaningful fast. The Tishbav, especially with the knowledge of Hulda. Thank you, Hashem. Yes, Emma. Um, I think that when it comes to Esther, it's all like, oh, you know, we got Esther. We know it. Like Esther's a story of Perm. She's for sure the most popular of the prophetesses. I mean, she's definitely up there with like Sarah and Miriam. Like, hold on. Okay, maybe we don't know so much. But like Esther, we got that story down. It's our childhood. Hi, everybody. Hi, Miriam. Hi. Thank you all for joining. So nice to see you all. Okay, so let's get started. Um, we're going to learn about Esther. And I think when it comes to Esther, just the perm story is such a great story. And Growing up as a kid, like, there's nothing better than dressing up as Queen Esther. I mean, definitely by us until we start, like, having to have themes, right? Because, like, themes are very important. Thank you. They're Melissa Lovey. Um, I've been wearing them every class. I think it's time I update, you know, next series. I'm going to have to get a new collection of jewelry. Um, so what we were saying. Okay, so Purim, when it comes to it, it's just, it's the greatest story of all time. It's a great bedtime story. It's a story that we grew up with. It's a story that teaches us so much. And also the feminine hero is obviously Esther is so important. But if you would just read it like any other story. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Um, hi, Sarah. She wanted to get a shout out. And Aviva. Um, and I'm so happy this is your first class to listen. Okay. So the story of Purim is our childhood. It's um, about a wicked king who decided one day to kill his wife. Then he felt bad about it, so he had a beauty pageant, and <coughs> he chose from many, many different women. He actually chose Esther, um, and she was the, she won the beauty pageant, right? So she gets taken into the palace, and then Mordechai and Esther, they save the day, and now we write the Megillah, and now we all dress up, and now we all have Mishloch Mano's themes, because themes are very important. And especially if you're ordering from AliExpress, you better get started now if you want your costumes to come. So um, what we're going to try to understand is the real meaning behind the perm story and the real meaning behind who Esther was. And the Megillah is actually called Megillus Esther, as opposed to Megillus Mordechai or Megillus Mordechai and Esther or just Megillus Purim. There obviously is something very, very powerful about Esther's role in the story of Purim that we call her, we call this book Megillus Esther. Um, is it a feminine thing? You know, she won the best actress. Mordechai doesn't even get a supporting role at all. It's all about Esther. So in order for us to understand this, I have to say hello to Charlene because she just joined, so thank you. Um, in order for us to understand Megillus Esther, we have to realize that Miguel's Esther is very, very current. It's something that we in our lives today can learn from. And actually, the Baal Shem Tov says that if you go through reading Miguel's Esther on Purim and you don't see how it's applicable to your life, then you didn't fulfill the mitzvah of understanding and learning about the Megillah. 
So in order for us to understand that why the Megillah was recorded and why it became a part of Torah, because it's one of the books of Nevi'im, it's because it has an eternal message. So it's the purpose of who we are. And when we celebrate Purim, we're not just celebrating an event that took place a long time ago. We're actually reliving it. Um, every single time when we hear the Megillah, we're reliving that story that Esther started. So to put the story into context, this is the first time that the Jewish people are in exile. The Jewish people were in exile when we were in Egypt, but that was before we were the Jewish nation. So this is the first time that the Jewish people are actually in an exile after the destruction of the temple as a Jewish nation. And the Gemara says, and it questions in the beginning of the Megillah, why were the Jewish people decreed to have something so difficult, right? The Haman is going to kill all men, women, and children. We've had bad decrees, but this one's really, really bad. So why did we have this decree? And the reason we have this decree, the Gemara explains, is because we went to the party of Ahasuerus. So the party of Ahasuerus was bad. You know, he had a huge party. He invited Jews and non-Jews. And he also served food on the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash. And he made sure that everybody had food that catered to them. You know, there are those that say that he even made sure that the Jewish people had kosher food. So like in my head, I'm imagining like El Al trays of like prepackaged food, you know, like kosher food for the Jews. Um, and the Jewish people went willingly to this party. So it seems very bad, you know, they went to the party, but to go to a party where maybe it was a little sacrilege, like that doesn't seem like for a reason that all men and women like should be all men, women, and children should be killed. So we have to understand a little bit deeper. What happened was that we think like, oh, you know, they just went to the party, but really the Jewish people were a little bit uncomfortable. You know that feeling when you're in a room and you're not necessarily like invited and like, you know the guests, you know the host, but like you're not really sure. You know when you go to a wedding and like, you're like, oh, are you from the Kala side or from the Hassan side? You just feel a little uncomfortable. So the Jewish people in essence felt a little uncomfortable going. But because they got an invite from the king, they felt, oh, this king, he's not an anti-Semite. You know, he's, he's inviting us. He's even taking care of us. He's even making sure that we have kosher food, even though he's serving it on the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash. But he's taking care of us. And they felt comfortable knowing that they had people in higher places. They felt reassured. They felt that they were going to be safe and they're going to be okay. However, we know that the only person that we can put our assurance in is Hashem. We have to put our trust in Hashem. They, at that moment, put their trust in Ahasuerus. They put their trust in a king who was maybe looking out for them. And like, oh, we have higher people up in the government. We have somebody in the White House that's taking care of us. So this, by the way, is one of the first messages that we see that the Megillah is forever. It's for generations. It's not just Jewish people during exile in Persia. They felt comfortable with the government. We have this all the time. The Jewish people have constantly felt comfortable in their environment and felt comfortable with the government and the Congress and the Senate or even the White House. And they realized that the only person you could really rely on is Hashem. So the big mistake that the Jewish people made here in the story of Purim, and that's why they were decreed to such difficulty with Haman, is because they put their trust in Ahasuerus and in the government. So what ends up happening is that Haman comes with this decree. He quickly sways Ahasuerus' mind, and the not-so-anti-Semite king all of a sudden says, oh, off with their head, we're ready to go, and he has this decree. And in the middle of that story, Vashti gets killed, Esther comes into the palace, and this is where the story begins to unfold. 
Now, what's something is fascinating is that growing up, I always understood and I always felt that the perm story like happened over a weekend, like a long weekend, right? Like Vashti, she didn't listen to Hashvirosh, you know, she didn't come to the party, he killed her, we had a beauty pageant, ta-da, we have a new queen and Esther saves the day. But actually the perm story took place over 10 years. So now we have Esther sitting in the palace for 10 years, okay? She's there, she's waiting, she's keeping Shabbos, she's keeping kosher, she's keeping the mikvah. She hired different maidservants for every single day of the week, so nobody ever like thought that she was up to something funny when it came to Shabbos, and she was living her life there. Now comes the climax of the story of Purim, where Mordechai comes over to Esther and tells her, Esther, it's time for you to go talk to Ahasuerus about this terrible decree. Now, Esther, you can imagine, is not, you know, she's very, very scared. And she explains to Mordechai, you know, I can get killed. If I go into the palace and I'm not into his court and I'm not called upon, I can get killed. So that's kind of like a death threat on my head for me going in. And Mordechai says something very fascinating. And it seems like it's a little tough. But what ends up happening is Mordechai tells Esther, Esther, you know what? It could be that your entire life was brought to this point for this exact moment. And if you don't act upon this moment right now, I'm telling you, Esther, that the salvation will come to the Jewish people, but it won't come through your hands. So what you need to do right now at this point is you need to go in there and talk to Ahasuerus and if you don't, somebody else will get the credit. You know those people who you know steal the roles of others? Somebody else will take your role. You are here for this moment. And he convinces Esther, and Esther actually listens, and she says, you know what, you're right, Mordechai. And she decides to go, and an incredible miracle ends up happening. But before she goes in, she says, Mordechai, I ask on my behalf, if you can please ask the Jewish people to fast for three days for them to do teshuva, so that Hashem is with me on my side as well as the Jewish people, and then I'm going to go in. So Mordechai says, mm, we have a slight problem. Those three days you're referring to are actually the days of Pesach and the Seder, and we gotta eat matzah, we gotta eat marar. We can't just fast now, we have commandments to keep. And Esther tells him, Mordechai, you're so funny. If we don't have a Jewish people, who's going to keep the commandments? If we're all not going to be here next year because I didn't save you guys, what's the point of having Pesach? And that's when Mordechai recognizes, you know what, Esther, you're right. And he actually asked all the Jewish people to fast. And then they fasted, which was incredible. She went in and an incredible miracle happened. Ahasuerus put his scepter out. She was able to ask to have a small intimate party. And that's actually where I said that's the climax. From there, all the miracles start to happen. All of a sudden, she tells Ahasuerus who she is and where she comes from, and she's a Jew. And he's like, I didn't even know this. And then they hang Haman, and then Esther and Mordechai save the day. Ta-da, the end. Okay, now we're gonna go one step deeper into this story and this conversation because it seems a little bit harsh. I mean, to me, Mordechai was my husband or my father or my uncle. I'll be like, hey, Mordechai, back off, right? So what's going on here with this story? So what if I told you? that Mordechai and Esther were actually two parts of your soul, okay? Mordechai was the part of the soul of the neshama that is connected to the upper worlds, 
very much connected to the world of Torah and remains afloat. Where Esther is the part of the neshama, the part of the soul that comes into your body, into your guf, and fulfills all its roles down here, but in a physical way. Now we can see, Mordechai was constantly watching over Esther, right? As a kid, when I used to read the story, I was like, Mordechai's like big brother. He was always checking in. He was in the courtyard. He was listening to all the gossip. He was sending messages through, you know, this guard and through that one to make sure that Esther was okay. But Mordechai was only hovering. He never entered that area of the palace where Esther was. Whereas Esther, she was taken against her will and she was put into the palace. Now, Esther is the part of the neshama that can go into Galus, that can go into exile. Mordechai is the part of the neshama that remains connected to the upper worlds. Now, what ends up happening here is the Jewish people have been through difficulties before. They've been through Mitzrayim. They've been through wars with all the enemies fighting over. But they've never willingly put themselves into Gullus. Up until this point, the Jewish people were forcefully taken out of the Beit HaMikdash. Forcefully taken out by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians into the land outside of Eretz Yisrael. So they've never actually put themselves in. They've always been forced. This is the first time in history where Esther, who represents the neshama in the guf, is asked to willingly go into the palace. And Esther says to Mordechai, no, this is a death sentence. I'm not putting myself in that predicament. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to wait out here until Mashiach actually comes. I'm here. I'm keeping kosher. I'm keeping Shabbos. I'm keeping mikvah. But I'm not going to force, I'm not going to put myself into the palace. I'm going to die. Who would willingly put themselves into exile? And that's when Mordechai is a little bit forceful with her and he tells her, Esther, you are here for this reason. The whole purpose, I apologize, the whole purpose that your neshama was put here into this earth was so that you should go into exile. The reason that your neshama is here is to go through exile. Exile is not a mistake. Exile is on purpose. And you need to recognize that your role of your neshama is to go into exile. My part is to be up here. Your part is to be involved, is to be in exile, is to be there, to be with the Jewish people, to bring them through that tshuva process, like we spoke about last week in Cholda, so that they can rise higher. And that's when Esther realized, wow, that's what I'm here for. You're right. So let me ask you a favor, Mordechai. Ask the Jewish people to please pray for me, to daven for me, for, to fast for me. And then Mordechai, whose neshama is connected to up here, says, wait a second, it's Pesach. How can we do something like that? And then she tells them, and here's the ultimate debate, what is greater? What is greater, the Torah, the commandments, or the Jewish nation? The Jewish Am, the Bnei Yisrael, which one is more important? And when Mordechai realizes that Esther is right here, he relinquishes his control and he says, you're right, we're going to fast because the Jewish people come first. They come before the Torah. And therefore, they fasted on Pesach, and that's where the actual miracle started to happen. The Jewish people started to see miracles when she willingly put herself into exile for the sake of the Jewish people. And now we can understand why Esther was such a significant role, why it's called Megillas Esther and not Megillas Mordechai, because Mordechai wasn't involved here. Mordechai didn't step into exile. He didn't go into the palace. He didn't go to do that 
scary step because his neshama was still connected above. However, Esther was the one who went into exile. And in very famously, the Gemara says, Esther min minayin. Where do we see that Esther is from the Torah? And Hashem said, Anochi haster aster panai. I am going to hide my face from you. And when I hide my face from you, that time period of Gullahs, I'm still going to be with you. I'm going to be that part of the Neshama that's here in the Gulf. So if there's any of the Shiva Navios that speak to us the most, it has to be Esther. And that's why I'm so happy to end with her. Because Esther is us. Esther is all of us, B'nai Yisrael, who are here in exile. And we are feeling it every single day. We chose to be here because we recognize that it's a tshuva process. We recognize that Hashem is concealed and Hashem is hidden. But Hashem is still with us because we chose to go into here and Hashem is going to save us. And it's really, really fascinating, the feminine role of redemption and exile is so prominent throughout, it's so profound throughout these Shiva Nevios. We see, specifically, we see it with, with um, Miriam and we see it with Cholda, that it says, because of the righteous women, we were taken out of exile and in the future, we will also be taken out of exile because of the women. Here is a woman, Esther, who at the time was saying, I'd rather just listen, it's not easy over here. It's very, very difficult. And what we need to realize here is that she knew it was difficult and she chose to go into there. She chose to go into the palace of Ahasuerus and to talk to him. And then she saved the Jewish people. And that's the miracle of Esther. And that's why it's called Miguel's Esther and not Miguel's Mordechai, because she's, she's the savior here. So I really, um, I know, Charlene, I don't want it to end either. And I have to say that like I myself have gained so much from learning about these women that I might run for president. No, I'm kidding, I'm not gonna run for president. Um, but I just feel that it's so important for us as women and as men to hear these stories of the women who were so, so strong in a time period where people say that maybe it wasn't about women's lib, it wasn't about vote for women, it wasn't women's power but these women were so empowering. It says that Esther was actually greater than Mordechai because Esther had the ability to go into the palace to change things because she was grounded, because she was connected to this world. And yes, sometimes we get wrapped up into the materialism of this world and the physicality of this world and the shopping, I promise I'm involved also. But what we realize is that these women use their part of the physicality of being in this world, of being their, their neshama that connects to the guf for the right reasons. And I just really wanna thank you all for joining for this journey and for tuning in. And um, yes, maybe we should definitely continue this series. There are some incredible women out there. I've definitely, I've been looking in on Dina and on Russ and there are some incredible women. So I guess um, maybe one night we'll do a Q&A on um, women that you wanna hear about. And it's been my absolute pleasure. And um, I hope you continue to listen to the Shiram and spread the word. And um, thank you so much for joining.